I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to this edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, thank you for everybody uh, for tuning in here, our statewide affiliates and Kearney, Grand Island, Fremont, Lincoln, and Omaha, as well as everyone watching us on YouTube. Um, if you're not a subscriber, make sure you subscribe and follow us at HuskerOnline.com. Uh, but guys, let's get into the opening headlines with Stephen M. Sipple and Robin Washed as you kind of look at things uh, with Nebraska right now. I think the big headline of the week, at least to me, has been the buzz around Dylan Riola. Um, things really ramped up a lot, Sip. Um, and a lot of it just stemmed on a couple of people making more predictions for Nebraska with Riola. Um, and you look, I think we both agree that Nebraska is in a great position with Riola. Um, but, you know, I think we learned a few more things as the weeks moved on, kind of where things sit. And the bottom line is this thing is far from over. Yeah. I mean, we don't, it's not, I mean, we can speak authoritatively about this. I talked to Dominic on Monday night at length. We had a probably a half hour discussion and, uh, yeah, I'd say Nebraska's in a good position. Uh, but he made it clear, and he said, he, he, he said, go ahead and say what you want to say um, publicly. He said it's wide open, um, that he wouldn't be surprised if some other teams that haven't been mentioned jump in. He stressed – Clemson or Oregon? He mentioned or Penn State, Penn State, instance. okay. Um, but he mentioned a few others um, – that, like he said, there's some that aren't being mentioned. You know who's being mentioned. Georgia's being mentioned. Nebraska's being mentioned. USC is the one you, I really watch now. Um, Oregon's been mentioned. T- TCU's been mentioned. Um, he, what he stressed is two things. That it's wide open. Stressed it. Said it three or four times. It's wide open. Just say it's wide open. And the other thing they stress is they're enjoying it. I mean, they, they enjoy this process. It's not laborious. You hear some people, some recruits say that, oh, God, I'm just getting so tired of it. He said, what's, he goes, what's there to get tired of? You're talking to Lincoln Riley. We just had a, I don't know if it was he, I don't know how these rules work, guys, Robin and Sean, but he said, we just had a, we had a Zoom with Prime. He goes, that's, that's he goes, legal as long as you initiate it. Yeah. He said, it's fun. It's fun talking to these guys. So, he didn't. Dominic did not go to the NIL function, and that's notable. I think because he had an invite to attend the 1890 event that was held at a prominent mm-hmm. Nebraska Boosters home in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. and I think that would have raised a lot of antennas if Dominic Riola attended the Nebraska NIL event in Scottsdale with Trev Alberts and Matt Rule there, which he can yeah. technically, as an alumnus and a former player, he could he could go to the event like that. Dylan could not, right. um, but. I think it would have been very notable 
if Dominic Raiola was at this function hanging out with Matt Rule and Trev Alberts all night. Well, and the most prominent boosters in Nebraska's realm, you know. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to – Dominic, this, that's just not really his scene. Like, it's not, it's not just something he wanted to do. He said, if, those, if somebody wants me to play golf, I'll do it. But just go to a party, I'm not, he wasn't about it. it. It wasn't anything. It didn't – I wouldn't read into that at all. Starting with his recent buzz, there was some speculation that, you know, a decision time frame might be ramped up awfully quickly, even, like, before the spring game. Uh, I mean, I know that just hearing from what you said, it seems like that might not be the case. Sean, are you still thinking – Maybe in June, like well, I know that I know you had reported something like that, like maybe this summer. It's fluid as everything is with the recruiting, right? Um, and it can always change. But yeah, he's got the visits in March, and I know Georgia at least last week was under the impression or feel that there may be another round of visits in June. That this is going to not be over. This potentially could not be over in the spring. Okay, um, but that would be extremely late for a quarterback. Typically, mid-May is kind of the Mendoza line for quarterbacks to come off the board. And if you're not somewhere in mid-May, mid-May then you're moving down the board trying to find your next guy, your next guy, your next guy. And we've seen Nebraska have to do that over the years, um, You know, maybe where they miss on their top guy and they move on a new name or another name um, in May. because they're So the dominoes for the quarterbacks, once March opens up, and March will allow what's called unofficial visitors – uh, again, on campus. Once the unofficial visits can start happening again, that's when you're going to see the run of quarterbacks probably start to come first. Okay. Just the only thing I would add from conversation with Dominic, and again, this is – if I go back over the last 12, 10 to 12 conversations I've had with Dominic, he never says this, but my takeaway is it's – I always come away thinking it's Georgia, Nebraska, USC. That's what it, that's what it always sounds like to me. The last several conversations, and it kind of did the, the it kind of did the other night. Except I'd never heard him say that that the words that it's wide open, and I'd never heard him say that you know somebody else could jump in that you haven't seen. So I, that was sort of new to me. Penn State would be interesting, but there is a big opportunity for a quarterback there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Y- you figure Sean Clifford has been there literally starting since 2020. Clifford's gone. He's right? gone now. Yeah, yeah finally. He's 29 finally. years yeah. old. So. <laughs> um, the- <laughs> I, think he, I think he played in the 011 game with Matt McGloin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was there with Franco Harris. Um, but, but I, uh, I, yeah, so that's it. I, I mean, it was, uh, it was interesting. And, and I don't know the timeline. You guys, I, I don't. I haven't dealt with recruiting for as long as you have. The timeline thing, it doesn't seem like they're in a hurry. Well, timelines don't really apply to the number one player. Yeah, in the nation. You know what the timeline wondering. is when he wants it to be? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got the it, leverage. You deal with this in basketball. Like it, when you're this high to an extent, there's probably five or 10 players in basketball that can do the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, basketball is a little different to where like the majority of like your top level guys are off the board in the, the November signing period but there are guys that use that as leverage to where they intentionally hold off from signing like even if they might feel good about a school they hold off just to see that next round of recruitment and see what else becomes available to them so you know, i mean there's certain players that that can pull this off and when you have this many schools that are all in on mm-hmm. you 
you know, I don't, I don't blame him for taking his time. Go enjoy the process. Take some visits, you know, get, get wine oh, and no. dine and all that stuff. Like, I, I think when you're that level of a, of a prospect, you can do that sort of thing. And as long as you don't draw it on too long, then uh, I think it's a good balance to have. Yeah, you don't want to affect the schools like Nebraska. Right. You don't want to string them along, say no, and it's June and they got nobody. I mm-hmm. think, aren't you mindful of that a little bit? I'm not as mindful as I used to be because of the portal. Oh, good point. Like, yeah. that you can just find Jeff Sims. Good point. Casey Thompson. Yeah. I mean, you can find fairly serviceable plan Bs in the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be exactly what you want. I mean, it's like going shopping at, oh boy, here, oh, here we go, <laughs> TJ Maxx or Marshalls or somebody. Don't yeah, offend you know what? Right. Great deals there. I'm, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to, this Under Armour sweatshirt, I'm going to make it work. It's pretty good. Yeah. You know, it may not be the one I wanted initially that was at Shields, right. but I'll make this one work. Let's not offend people. Um, I... <laughs> Uh, the other part of this was Monk, and that I was I wanted to bring up. Oh yeah, Monk and the Baltimore Ravens. The Georgia offensive coordinator um, goes to the Baltimore Ravens. Does that have an impact? I will tell you this, and the part of this is good because we do have direct line to Dominic. I would tell you he's never ever mentioned Monk in, in okay forty conversations. He's never said the words Monken or the word Monk. Is it Todd Monken? Um, it's always Kirby. I mean, Kirby's the one. It's his show. Yeah, Kirby's leading the charge on Dylan Rayola. It was never – he never he's never mentioned Monken. Not that he doesn't – I don't think he has anything against him. I just don't know how prominent he was in this equation. Well, on George's program, like you said, I mean, it's Kirby smart. It's his – they run the offense the way he wants. They play – I mean, everything yeah. that they do – he, he's kind of the Nick Saban of Georgia. Absolutely. Well, the fact that they immediately hired an internal candidate, Mike Bobo, I mean, like – it was, I'm sure, very much discussed in the recruiting process that this is likely going to happen, and mm-hmm. this is our plan. So don't worry; like right. we're not having any massive changes. We're still going to be Georgia. We're still going to run the offense that we're recruiting you to. Yeah, in fact, if I was Nebraska, if I were a Nebraska coach, or you know, if I was a hardcore Nebraska fan, and I and I'm following this daily, my principal concern would be Kirby Smart because of what he's doing at Georgia back-to-back national championships they never lose their defense is ridiculous they've been their offense is ridiculous but it's also kirby is a is a masterful recruiter himself i mean this is a he is a he's a great recruiter that's the thing that would bother that bother me that's the thing that could concern me would concern me the most that Kirby, read any article about how george has risen a lot of it's just prowess as a recruiter well they won the national championship they brought Dylan Rayola on the phone via Zoom. I think pretty soon after the game. Like in the locker room. Yeah. Like so, like that's – that's. Uh, I mean, yeah. you're like – you just had this high moment and you're like, you know what, let's get Dylan Rayola to be a part of this moment now. I mean, that's – It's Kirby. That's how you do it. So. It's 4D chess right yeah. there. 4D chess. Bobo and Kirby, <laughs> level. if I'm not mistaken, I mean, they, they were roommates. I mean, they're – those guys are – I don't know that. I know that from somebody else. Those guys, along with uh, Will Muschamp, I mean, they're they've been so like, his, it's really a connection to Kirby, Mike Bobo, and Kirby's relationship goes back uh, for for many many years. So yeah, I think it, and he's a great Mike Bobo is a great coach. Uh, on on the good news for Nebraska, Dom does like talking ball with Satterfield. There's a good connection there. So. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the timeline is. Dylan, I don't expect anything to happen before he visits, though. Uh, could something happen before March 24th? No, no. I mean, I wouldn't think so. 
and he's going to go to Georgia the week before. Okay. Um, but you got to you got to wonder if USC is going to get another one. And then oh, man, really, yeah, these Ryan. aren't officials; these are unofficials. So he could still do officials if he wanted to. Yeah, Lincoln Riley's turned it up in this recruitment. It, there's a while there that I don't think he, I don't think Lincoln Riley was doing a very good job with him. But I'd say in the last you know several weeks, he's done really well. Yeah, all you got to do is say I've coached three of the last six Heisman Trophy winners. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. What more do you need? Yeah. <laughs> all right. When we come back, I want to talk about. Matt drills. I want to talk about. I had an event last week with Casey Thompson, MJ Sherman, Ed Foley, uh, Billy Kemp. Uh, learned a lot of insight from those guys. We'll share all of that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So, US Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, as uh, we are in knee-deep of winter conditioning for Nebraska football before we get to those headlines and uh, discussions. Uh, this segment of the program brought to you by Tanner's Sports Bar and Grill, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. Um, and I you know, I was at St. Michael's on Thursday, stopped in Tanner's after St. Michael's and enjoyed. Um, what did you enjoy? Some wings because I didn't have time to eat. I mean, like I was you know, so busy with the event we had going on. but uh, Wings is food. It was – it was great just to um, <laughs> unplug, watch a little uh, basketball that was on, and you know, great place to go in and, and watch the Husker game. I know these next few weeks, Nebraska's at home uh, with some Saturday and Sunday games, but if you can't make it, get into Tanner's, 30th and Yankee Hill Road, get some wings, cold beer, several beers on tap, um, great sandwiches and burgers as well, 30th and Yankee Hill Road. But uh, I want to get to that event at St. Michael's I did on Thursday night. It was really cool. I had Casey Thompson, Billy Kemp, MJ Sherman there as well, special teams coordinator, Ed Foley, and then um, recruiting staffer Vince Ginta was there as well. So Man. Uh, we had a full night, 500 mm. people there, um, and it, it was an engaged audience. And, and that's the thing, like, look, I, we've been through a number of changes now in Nebraska in, in our time doing this job, but – there's always like right now, there's always just like such a sense of hope, such a op sense of optimism, but people really like this staff. Like when you're out and about, um, it's still very much in the honeymoon stage of things, um, but you, you can just feel it. And Ed Foley, um, you know, he, he just, he's great. Wow, look at that crowd. Mm -hmm. um, Darren Ruff, the former um, Creighton Blue Jay was there because we were raising money for somebody that was married to his cousin or his wife's. His cousin um, was who we were raising money for. He was suffering from ALS. And um, Darren Ruff now plays in the bigs, but he played for the Phillies. And Ed Foley uh, took a selfie with Darren Ruff. Huge and, Phillies. And man. he sent it to all his East Coast buddies, like, guess who this is? And, like, guy goes, Darren Ruff. He's like, those East Coast dudes know their baseball. But Casey Thompson shared some very interesting things about his health. Mm -hmm. um, he's on week 10 right now of a 16-week recovery. What is shoulder that? Surgery, right? Shoulder surgery. Shoulder mm -hmm. surgery. Yeah. So I, I said, does that mean you're going to play in the spring, like the spring game? And he goes, I want. Let's just not say that yet. Um, but he gave at least a sliver of hope. 
that he could be out there doing some things during the spring. Yeah, because you wrote that he could be back throwing at some level on March 27th. The Mm. week of March 27th. Yeah, so March 27th, that would be about a week Week into spring. Week Week two two of spring. Yeah. So how much, I mean, would he go under center? Would he partake in team drills? I don't know if he'd do that stuff or not, Um, but it's interesting. It'd be good if he, I don't know. I mean, he might look at Jeff Sims every day and think, I need to get back. But on the other hand, you don't want to rush it too much, right? And him and Jeff Sims, uh, they've developed a really good relationship is what Casey said. I mean, they're very close. Um, and, you know, look, I said this on your show earlier this week, Sip. This is the fifth head coach Casey Thompson's paid, played for when you count Mickey. Right. You know, you played for Tom Herman. He played for uh, Steve Sarkeesian, right. Scott Frost. And then Mickey Joseph, and now Matt Rule. Man. So, I mean, that's, I think that's certainly encouraging because I think you need that comp- You need that on-field competition. If you're legitimately going to have a quarterback battle, those guys need to be on the field together. And I don't care what the capacity is, but just having Casey able to be on the field and not sitting there in street clothes while Jeff Sims is out there running around uh, you know, doing his thing, I think that's important to just – for one, give Nebraska a better valuation of their two quarterbacks, but two, push each other. I think that that competition, the longer that that can go, the better for everyone involved, particularly those two guys. So that's that's probably some of the best news we've heard as far as that conversation is is concerned that, you know, there was some talk that Casey might miss all the spring. Now you're talking about him maybe even playing in the spring game. Like, that's a significant development. Let's face it, too. This is not necessarily just an either-or discussion. I mean, you need two. Last year they needed three. <laughs> There's been a lot of years where you need two. Some years where you if need If you run the quarterback especially. Yeah, mm-hmm. where you need mm-hmm. three. It's not – I don't necessarily even look at it as an some guy's going to win the job and the other guy's going to stand and watch all season. It doesn't work that way all that often mm-hmm. anymore. When's the last time a quarterback has made it wire to wire? Never happened under Scott Frost. I mean – Did Tanner – did, did – Tanner did, Lee. Yeah. Did he make it wire to wire? In 17? Yeah. Did he make it wire to wire? I think he did. Yeah, I think he did. Because P.O.B. would have been his backup. Yeah. Yeah, I think he made it wire to well, wire. Tommy didn't make it now, wire to wire. It now, in 2017, though, Tanner missed a half. This is – he or Caleb missed a um, – Tanner Lee missed a half at Minnesota. Okay. Remember? And there wasn't they, a talk about – They pulled him out at halftime. O'Brien starting the Penn State game. Didn't he have a whole bunch of family there, and then like he didn't play at all? Yeah, that's right. But the Bill Moose Minnesota game, where you could hear him yell in the press box. Oh no! Just stop. That wasn't Moose. It wasn't not Moose. It wasn't. That was one of the biggest myths ever. That was not Bill Moose. Don't ruin it. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> I mean, Moose has told me unequivocally that was not him yelling. Well, of course, you don't want to be, don't want to be the oh no guy. He no, it wasn't Moose. I knew when I knew when it happened, it wasn't Moose. But yeah, so Tanner Lee missed Moose isn't that he missed at least a half at Minnesota. Like he he was out of that game for Patrick Ken, O'Brien. Yeah, yeah. So so it doesn't happen. So very technically often. not wired to wire. Tommy Armstrong, you know, his last year missed games. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he missed Tommy Armstrong missed games like almost every year. Taylor Martinez missed a lot of games, mm-hmm. and they were down to you know they were down to number three Kellogg at, at you know in that 2013 season. Yeah, so I don't look at it as either or. Who, yeah, that would be a good. That'd be a good research project. Who's the last Nebraska Zach quarterback Lee? that's made it wire to wire? Well, Maybe. what full year did Zach Lee start? Because in 09. 09. Yeah, 09. Did 09. he split? 
That was a terrible offense. Cody Green played no, in that's, 09, that's guys. Cody Green. Cody Green played. Cody yeah. Green ends that. I mean, they split. Yeah, yep. I did. Yep. You're right. Cody so Green played. Bad. You're right, Sean. And then in 10, we thought it was going to be Zach Lee, and then it was Taylor. So, right. Zach, Zach Taylor? In no. 06? Zach Taylor in 10. No, yeah. 06, 07. Or excuse me, not 07. 06. Yeah, Zach Taylor definitely played 06. a full year. Yeah, he did. Zach made it for Tommy years. Armstrong. I think maybe made one full season. I would. Ha- I would. I, At I, any I, rate, any rate, they have two guys, <laughs> Sorry, um, and maybe more, and maybe more. Um, and I don't know who. I, may, maybe they have somebody that's going to emerge and push those top two. I mean, Torres. They talk very high. They, you know, rule on rule twice has mentioned Heinrich Harburg. Um, you never know. One of those. One of those other guys could could. You know, move up the chain a little bit and push Casey and Sims. But I don't anticipate that actually. So I was told just in the early workouts that they're kind of blown away how much potential Harburg has and the fact that he was kind of shelved by Whipple. Mm-hmm. And like they did miles per hour and some of the things they test. And he has one of the fastest miles per hour on the team running. And you're, oh, running. Okay. Um, you know who number one was? Yeah. Tommy Hill. Tommy Hill. And then Gabe Irvin was number two fastest and they mm-hmm. that you know this is their speed mm-hmm. like they're they're all about the variable I mean, let's think about it. that's not you didn't even mention ramir i mean ramir can go too but it, well i'm talking about when they measured speed yeah miles per hour gabe urban yeah. was the fastest of the running backs. Or, no to, or yeah and tommy gabe, hill was the fastest overall. Set, yeah for yeah. running backs okay. tommy hill we think he's still a receiver yeah hmm. what are they gonna do with him they got to get him on the field they got to find some way to that will get that him on the field that speed will get him on the field you'd hope yeah, because that, that thing went south. And I think from what, it, you know, him and Fisher, things kind of turned. I don't know what happened. Something happened that just kind of turned things around where he just all of a sudden went from having his name etched in the stadium, as Fisher said on the record, to being a receiver like two weeks later. Well, he had a couple of real bad games. I remember the Oklahoma. pro football focus. Yeah, that was the one. He was just getting torched. Like they were intentionally going after him. Georgia Southern wasn't his best night yeah. either. So, I mean, like that, he kind of. Participated. George Southern, that. I thought was was really stark. They were yeah. going right after yes. Tommy, yes. and then they went to Hartstug. Yeah, they went to him in place of Tommy Hill. Um, also at that night, Billy Kemp. You talked to Billy Kemp, um, and it looks like he's going to be the return man. Yeah, I mean, Ed, Ed fully said he's got to win it, but hinted that like this guy can do it. I mean, he's he's fielded a hundred and one hundred sixty. Um, live balls. Yeah, he's excuse me. He's fielded 140 punts at UVA, Virginia. He uh, 64 returns and 76 fair catches. Um, that's what you had in your rundown, Sean. So the, those are. I mean, that's a pretty good. I mean, there's nobody at Nebraska that's come even close to returning that many punts. Nope. Like who? I mean, you could add up like the last seven or eight years, and I don't know if you'd have 64 return punts. Take away the DeMornay Pearsonnel yeah, era. I mean, After DeMornay Pearsonnel, yeah. I don't know if there's been anyone that's even come close to those get numbers. Back to, they got to get back to doing that. <laughs> and Ed Foley said he wants to average ten. 10 per return and have four. So have about 30 to 40 punt return yards a game, which would eliminate three or four needed first downs for the offense. That'd be great. That'd be yeah. great just to see returns again. 10-yard mm-hmm. return. Man, at Nebraska now, if there's a 10-yard return, it's sort of jaw-dropping. Mm-hmm. Like, did we just see a 10-yard return? Yeah. And um, when you just look at it, like, that's you're starting a drive with a first down. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it that way, like, a 10-yard return is a, oh, is a big deal. Big. <laughs> it's a big deal. I mean, look what it did for, like, the Chiefs yeah. in, the, in their playoff run here. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, it, 
Super Bowl. I mean, that return late was gigantic. And then they had one against Cincinnati, too. Right. Yeah, they did. Yeah. I mean, Nebraska has lost that part of it. I mean, look what DeMornay's returns did in you know, Bo's second to final year. Or was that, his, that was his final year, right, when they beat Iowa and he had the returns mm-hmm. at Iowa? Yeah, it was 2014. That was 2014. Mm-hmm. He had the two long returns against Iowa. But, yeah, DeMornay, it, it became a situation where you didn't want to go get popcorn when, when the opposing team punted because you wanted to see what happened with DeMornay. That's, it, boy, it would be nice to get back to that. It was exciting. Now, the, the return game has changed so much with the way the directional kicking, the rugby style. Like, mm-hmm. that's yes. more prevalent than ever. And so, I mean, just opportunities are a lot fewer that's true, than right? they used to be, and people just don't boom them down the field. Right. Like, they, the specialists are so good, especially in the Big Ten. Like, Big Ten punters are elite. Like yeah. the best in the country, yeah. and so you know it's, hard, it's harder to return. We'll see how many chances they get, but when you get those chances, you have to maximize them. I wish it was like the pro. Like the pros, you can't do those spread punts, right? It's like a pretty no. The, the, the you can only use one formation, I think, in the in the NFL. And I know they'll never maybe two do this in college football, but it would really make it better. Like the the spread punt has like destroyed the punt return. Yeah, yeah. because you know you make sure the guy doesn't catch it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it just screws up everything with the blocking. Like, you can't even set up a return because you have to account for the punter as a runner. Also at St. Michael's, you learned that Chief Borders has been impressive. Yeah, I think he's just been a voice behind the scenes um, from everything I've heard and, 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 been, and been really good. Uh, MJ Sherman, too, I mentioned, another newcomer. Um, we had him there, and, and I asked him specifically what will his role be. And, I mean, I think they want to move him around. And, you know, he can play his hand on the edge. He can play in space. Um, but after seeing Tony White speak at the Omaha Metro Coaches Clinic, you know it's going to be key that he wants to find matchups in this defense and put his best player on your weak players and create plays. And I can see MJ Sherman very much fitting that role of a guy that Tony White's going to move around. What you got to see with Sherman is if he's regained all his explosion. That was that's the question. That was the question at Georgia. Had a knee injury in high school. Is he the explosive player that can make those sort of difference making plays? All right. When we come back, Nebraska basketball three and one in the month of February. Now they're home until March fifth with three pivotal games at Pinnacle Bank Arena. We'll get Robin Washett's thoughts on the big win at Rutgers and get you ready for Sunday's game against Maryland. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Steve Sippel as it was a huge night for Nebraska basketball. On Tuesday, Fred Hoiberg's squad moves to 3-1 and one now in the month of February, winning at Rutgers 82-72, a place, Jimmy John's Arena, uh, Jersey Mike's Jersey Arena. Mike's. Uh, Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's. Uh, I just got totally canceled by the sponsors there. Jersey Mike's um, Arena, 82-72. Robin, I saw your prediction, and you kind of had the – 
I'll see you, and I believe it. You didn't pick Nebraska. Um, you picked. I had them covering. I had them losing by thirteen on a thirteen and a half point spread. So hmm. don't say I didn't believe. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, I thought but, you would have hedged it and maybe made it like six. But Rutgers is tough at home. I, I agree. Well, so I, there's a, a list of reasons why I wasn't nearly as confident as uh, our own Stephen Sipple. Uh, for one, they hadn't won back to back games since beating Queens and Iowa before and after Christmas break. So. There's yeah, a there's long run of inconsistency. Two, they've struggled on the road, struggled mightily, especially in recent games. Three, they are a team that is now dependent on offense, playing against the best defensive team, not only in the Big Ten, but in one of the best in the country. Yep. And after that, uh, you know, they <laughs> were 14-point. And I think they closed as 14-point dogs. So there were very few people in Vegas that thought they had a chance. So – um, that's what made that performance so stunning. Not the fact that they won the game, but the manner in which they did it. The fact that they went and scored 82 points, shot almost 60% from the field, hit on, uh, tied their season high three-pointers at a 40%-plus clip, uh, and you know just, just did things to Rutgers that teams don't go to the rack and do to Rutgers. Like that was, you know, I the – Reading some of the tweets from Rutgers beat writers, New Jersey media, they were, you know, talk about stunned. They were more stunned than anybody. You know, they didn't think that was even remotely close to having a chance of happening. And Nebraska went in there and literally imposed their will offensively. Yeah, they hit some tough shots, but they also created a lot of good looks. They hit their threes, which opened up everything underneath, and they were able to shoot 74% inside of the arc. Mm. So, I mean, again, the recipe that they used was a script that hardly ever happens at or against Rutgers, especially at home. So, um, you know, I know that winning is certainly a surprise, but the manner in which they did it was the most surprising for me. Well, they got hot. Now what's happened is Casey Tominaga has changed the discussion Mm -hmm. for Nebraska. He's, he, now that's four straight games of 20 plus he's real double figures in nine of his last 10. Yeah. He's not, this is no more a gimmick thing. He's become one of the Big Ten's better scorers. I, I don't mind saying he is. He leads the conference in scoring over the last four games. Yeah, he's going into Wednesday. Yeah, he's not going away either. He's he doesn't, and it's not just that he gets hot from the outside and buries some threes. It's not that anymore. He he takes it off the dribble to the hoop. He moves without the ball, makes those back cuts. Um, he's he's he, he's a pain now. And well, that, that helps those other guys. It helps Derek Walker and absolutely. Sam Grease a lot. Look at the other night. I mean, he didn't start hot. He missed his first three shots and didn't score until just over six minutes left in the first half. But you know how he scored? He took it to the rim. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of it is the biggest difference with Casey, to where he's not just the jack-up eight three-pointers and you know that, that's all he's going to bring offensively. He's getting to the hoop, and he's scoring inside of the arc more than uh, certainly he ever has at Nebraska. And that two-part dimension of his game has really i think allowed him to take off to where to where you know teams if they close out aggressively on him he's going to pump fake and take it straight to the rim and because you have him now as a legitimate threat and if you can pair that with a cj wilcher whoever that allows nebraska to be one of the most efficient teams at the rim Mm -hmm. in in the conference and so you know with the way that they've had to transition from being a defensive oriented team that is just trying to do just enough on offense when they had Bandamel and Gary. When those two guys went out, they were forced to flip the script and become an offensive-driven team. Kasey Tominaga is at the forefront 
of that move. But because of his success, it's allowed Derek Walker to be more, I won't say efficient because he still turned over the ball a lot, but he's scoring. Last at a, night, though. He's scoring at a much more efficient level. Sam Greasel has really been able to dictate the pace and keep things under control. Wow, and then, again, when you get that, that next guy, whether it's um, you know, CJ or Sam Hoiberg or whoever uh, that can be that, that next scorer, that's a compliment that Nebraska hasn't had on offense really in a long time when it comes to having that, that many people factoring into their success. Here's a question. Here's a question. What if, if Bandamel doesn't get hurt, if Gary doesn't get hurt, is Tominaga even getting these minutes? I don't think so. Great question. That's, I don't think so. That's a fascinating thing. No, because they were playing him that much out of necessity. Right. And now that he's been able to produce, like he's obviously earned those minutes. But, I mean, he wasn't playing those types of minutes. And, and I, I would Because say, that wasn't what the style they were trying to play. Like right. he can't defend at the level in which they were needing to defend to win games. But Casey, now one thing we don't necessarily, we're not aligned on Rob. I still think they play good defense. I, they they K- do. Casey. But is, not nearly what they were doing earlier. No, they were no, one of the no. better defensive teams in the conference right. for a while. But Bruce Weber was was very complimentary last night of Nebraska's defense. I still think they play very good defense. I'd say very good defense. They still now Close you out. could yeah, you could still you could say oh, Michigan rattled them. I mean, they, they, Michigan got after them offensively, shot a, a big percentage. I don't know though. I see I still see a lot of effort and Rutgers, the reason I thought Nebraska could win the game is cuz Rutgers is a bad offense. I mean, yeah. they do not. They, they, they're, they, they're an elite defense. Bad Below offense. average to bad offense. Yeah, and Nebraska plays pretty good defense. And if Nebraska, I thought, could put pressure on them and be up double digits with 10 to go, it's going to be really hard for Rutgers to overcome that. And that's what happened. Well, and the difference, too, was turnovers. You know, that Rutgers was doing what Rutgers does. They were forcing a bunch. They had eight turnover, forced eight turnovers in the first half, but they only converted that to five points. Well, and so they weren't able to take advantage of Nebraska's mistakes. They allowed Nebraska to hang around, and then their offense, when K-State started getting going, everything started clicking for yeah. them. We're talking Nebraska basketball here with Robin Washett on the Husker Online Show. And, Robin, this sets the stage now. you got three coveted weekend afternoon road game, home games in a row here. Uh, Nebraska's home Sunday, then Saturday, and then Sunday. Is that is it it's three? Uh, Sunday the nineteenth, Saturday the twenty fifth, and Tuesday the twenty eighth. Oh, two, yeah, they have, they have a they have the game against Michigan State. I'm sorry. Um, then the Iowa game is a road game, but they're home for three in a row. I mean, mm-hmm. we're going to see record 2013 type crowds down here at the arena. Two straight weekend home games, It'll Big Ten big, home big, games, big, big, big games where people that live in other parts of the state can easily get here mm-hmm. and get home. I mean, th- this is set up. Like, I'll, let me tell you guys, this game on Saturday when we were here when they won against Wisconsin, I have never seen the traffic so bad leaving the arena in really? years. Really? Like, it, usually we get home in 15 minutes after a game. It took us over 45 minutes to get out of there. The people are hungry. I know. This is a hungry fan. I've been base. waiting for something like this. Yeah, hungry, hungry. Meaningful February basketball. Right. I mean. They're hungry. And, and, and the other part of it is they like the team. It's a likable team. Absolutely. Really likable. Absolutely. I mean, Kese is as likable of a player. Like, like can you, uh, in Japan, how much buzz is this getting? Are, are you able to huge. like, he's is a it? Huge, he's a huge like, deal. Can you Japan. pick up on anything that's going on over there with him? Like, yeah. I mean, look at, <laughs> every time I tweet about him, I get a bunch of Japanese characters like quote tweeting me, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know what they mean, but I'm getting. You should look into some like Japanese language stuff. Well, Rob. Twitter does have a translation. It's very loosely translated, but. 
Uh, you could market yourself to Japan. I, I know. I, I, I'll, I'll bet you I get retweeted in Japan more than any Nebraska You might be media. sort of a star over there. Actually. Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but like, okay, so Casey, obviously huge fan favorite. Sam, uh, Sam Griesel, the hometown hero. You know, yeah. the guy that came back to Sam Lincoln. Hoiberg. Sam Hoiberg. Sam Lincoln Hoiberg, Lincoln Pius guy, coach's son. Derek Walker, yeah. the guy that has been here since day one that has developed and been the, the anchor Down for this Derek. team. I mean, and then the young guys, like, you know, Jamarcus Lawrence, like, he's like, you want to look for reasons to get excited about oh, the future, yeah. like, guy like that. So, I mean, go down the list. Yep. They got guys you can cheer for. And that they was, what, Fred's credit, that was one of the things he said, fans are going to like this team. Yeah, he was right. And now the best part is they're not just a bunch of likable guys. They're playing well. And they're giving fans a reason to get excited and cheer for them on the court and producing signature victories that they haven't had in a long time to where a month ago, if you, if I would have told you that we're talking about paths for Nebraska to make the NIT or maybe even the NCAA tournament, probably would have laughed in my face. I well, here they are. I would have. You would have. But I'll tell you, <laughs> and I look at it through the eyes of an opposing coach. That's how I've been looking at this team in the last two weeks. They're tough. They're tough to defend. I mean, with Casey going, they're, now it gets a little – it gets real. Absolutely. He changes everything. He's, yeah. he's arguably the most difficult – half-court defensive assignment in the conference. Right, okay. Then because you, when he crosses half-court, he's a threat to shoot. Right, and he's 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 fascinating because he moves all the time and mm-hmm. he cramps up. They have to have a jug of water. But then you him. have one of the best facilitating bigs in the conference in Derek right. Walker. Who's, who can get to the basket. You've um, got a 6'7", 215-pound right. point guard. And then I mean, like, Wilcher, if, like last night or at Rutgers. He's, he's an X-factor. Wilcher goes off. X-factor. It's like, well, now, now what do you do? I know. Yeah, I mean, now you're in a. That's how you go to Rutgers and drop 82. Yeah, now you're in a defensive quandary with with those all with four or five guys going. See if they can keep it going. Yeah, yeah. We inter- the, the roster politics of a year ago too, like the fact that Casey couldn't even really get on the court, and that team was far I mean, worse. He started games last year, but this wasn't a fact. I mean, they had multiple pros on their roster last year, mm-hmm. whether overseas or mm-hmm. NBA. Right. They yeah. did. They did. And this team, I don't know if you can necessarily say they have. It's different. Different, and they're better. Like it just. It is. And people like it better. Yeah. Like, I think, like, look, we tried doing the McGowns thing, and they're great. We love the McGowns. But this type of style seems to fit the fan base, the state better right now. I mean, like, a guy like Trey would have fit with this mold, I think. I think Bryce would fit. I mean, so I don't like that. do that to those guys. Those guys got good late, too. Keep in mind, that team last year was really good late. Back-to-back top 25 wins in the year. They were good late, and Verge was unguardable at times late last year. So I don't go too hard on But, again, it was too little too late. Yeah, it was. They figured it out a lot earlier this year, and now they're in a situation where they're playing for something. Yeah. All right, when we come back, we'll take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, Adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washed, and let's bring in Abby Barmore uh, as we take your questions in the mailbag. Abby, lots of questions this week. Where are you going to start us out at? All right, here we go. Besides the offensive line, which position groups do you see taking the big step 
biggest step forward and the biggest step backward from last year? I'm saying tie it in for forward. I, I just think I know they were pretty good, pretty good last, last year with Volkolek, but he got hurt. Like Volkolek at Northwestern in Ireland, if that Volkolek would have played the whole year, it would have been a different story. But I think Fedoni with maybe Arik Gilbert, by the way. I learned that at St. Is it Arik? Yes. Hmm. All right, good. I've heard Arik, Eric, and guess who told me the proper pronunciation? MJ Sherman. He referred to him as Arik. He would know. Okay, good. Um, Thank so, you. But I'm going to say tight end as the one that's going to take the biggest step forward. Okay, I'll, I'll, I can say assuredly which one will take the biggest step forward. Fullback. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, <laughs> right? Um, good call. The one that I would say Jeez. could, that you can, if you're concerned, would be edge rusher. Um, Take a step, step back. back. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, Tanner, Mathis, Nelson. Garrett Nelson. Right. I mean, they're, they're, it's not. It's going to be hard not to take a step back. Those yeah. guys are all pretty good. You're that's, banking that's on substantial Sherman. Substantial production and experience. Sherman, Borders, um, Jamari Butler, Blaze Gunnerson. Yeah, those are your guys. Now, I know they got a lot of guys back, like the same cast, but what about running back? I mean, the, the fact that you have a proven commodity in Anthony Grant – but you get A.J. Allen back. Well, it could and, take a step forward. And you get Gabe Irvin, who's, you know, just we said, one of the fastest guys on the entire team with Ramir Johnson, who's a veteran guy. I mean, I think should be good. just the, the overall complement of that group, I think you feel a lot better about it interesting. compared that's, to what you did a year ago. That's a, that's a real intriguing one because they were pretty good, but they could, they could take a big step. You're right. That would be amazing. Yeah. Well, and I think the mobility factor of the quarterback will help the running back. If it is Jeff Sims and they do want to run him more, that helps the backs mm -hmm. because you got to account for the running back and the quarterback to run the football where under Mark Whipple, it was a straight handoff game. Mm -hmm. And it was a little easier to, to know and defend the Nebraska running attack under the Mark Whipple offense. The other position where you wonder if it would go back a little, drop back a little bit as receiver without Palmer. I mean, I don't. They're bringing in Billy Kemp. He's not. He doesn't have that that explosive speed like Palmer. Who does? Nobody. I don't see a receiver on this roster that has that. So I, I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like. Kemp's going to catch fifty plus balls though, um, but it's going to look different. It's not going to look like Palmer. It's going to be a lot more shorter, controlled yeah. routes, sticky and, routes, and you're not going to see near the the. I mean, you'll see deep shots, but they, I mean, they, they feast. Shot. Nebraska's offense won games with like 19 minutes time of possession mm -hmm. you know? deep shots can tommy hill be that guy oh. <laughs> I mean, he's got to he's got to make a catch first well i'm just saying Sean like, makes fun of you want to talk about speed he's a good receiver yeah i don't know he's got to be the fa i mean he's the fastest guy in the room right so yeah you wonder could he be a uh, i don't want to go there where he could be a trey palmer it's way too no i'm not yeah. gonna go that far right. but can he be a guy that you can hey go run a go route beat your guy one-on-one -on -one, like I wonder if I don't know if he's got that in him. Well, I think he tracks the ball pretty well. He did play. High, he was a receiver in high school. All right, next one. If you could pick one former player to come back for a weekend mm. and spend time around Nebraska's staff and team, like Randy Gregory, Randy Gregory did recently. <laughs> who would you pick and why? And Dominican Sue. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I just think his presence, his visits to the program have been fairly limited. Since the Jordan Westerkamp Hail Mary game, I mean that, that was like one of the last, that was one of Bo Pelini's final. That was one of his final years here. Mm -hmm. um, but just to get Sue back more around the program, I think would be the guy I'd want back. Yeah, he's your biggest selling point. I would beyond that, I go with Mir Abdullah. 
because he played with Matt Rule in the NFL. I mean, like he's the, one of the few Huskers that has actually played for for Matt Rule. So if you want him to come and talk to the team about what it takes to be successful and, and his type of program and what the staff is going to demand from you, I mean, he's got firsthand experience from that. And he's an NFL player and one of the the better running backs Nebraska's had in the past decade. I'll throw out a wild card that, name that wouldn't be expected, Kyle Vandenbosch. And the reason I do that is because Gruden John used to put up in his team room film of Vandenbosch playing for another team. It wasn't it wasn't Gruden's team, but it was. This is the player who plays the hardest in the NFL, and he showed clip after clip of Vandenbosch. Vandenbosch doesn't, you know, he doesn't come up very often when you talk about Nebraska's all-time best defenders, but he probably should. And he'd be a good guy to bring back here, and I think he would come back. The problem with Vandenbosch was he was the guy after the guys. Yes, he mm-hmm. was. You know, and when you when you go after Wittstrom and Peters mm-hmm. and those types of players, like it's you're not gonna I mean, no one's gonna top those type of guys. Yeah, Barrett Rudis talked about how Barrett would have to line up on field goal as a as like a as like a tackle, you know, he'd have to do a slide step. And he talked about going against Vandenbosch in the NFL. And he said Vandenbosch just – it was just a matter of how, how deep Vandenbosch could push him into the backfield. Is it realistically possible for Nebraska ball to make the NIT tournament or even the NCAA? NIT for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely in the cards. You get to – I mean – Two more wins? 17 wins, I think you're – in the conversation, 18, you're a lock. What's the record right now? 12 and 13. Okay. So, I mean, there's work to do, no doubt about it. I mean, you got these four, and then you got to do some more work in Chicago. But uh, it's it's on the table. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. it's on the table. We just oh, talked yeah. about how favorable this back end of the stretch is, how well they're playing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And NCAA tournament, I mean, that's a much bigger Hail Mary. I think 19 minimum you got to get to, which – Seven more. Yeah, that's <laughs> – be a heck of a run <laughs> for a team that, uh, like we said, hasn't won back it, has been, won back to back games twice since Christmas. It would take like a two thousand what thirteen run from Tim Miles, yeah. like the way they finished that yeah, year. Absolutely, I mean, they beat Wisconsin, who played for the national championship that year. Yeah. There, I'll tell you something though. I've watched Nebraska basketball for a long time. This team is full of confidence right now. Yeah. They're a scary team. There's a lot to be said for And they yeah. get this arena for three weeks in a row. I know. I'm telling huge. you, it's gonna get interesting. It's gonna get silly. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna. Get, I think it could get. It's silly. gonna get nuts down here. Maryland. Now, here's the thing. Maryland. That's the game to watch. This game on Sunday. Maryland's good enough to come in here and win. I think if Nebraska wins, it's going to be close. But I, but I, right now, I would guess yeah. Nebraska, but close. I Maryland beat Nebraska close. by 19 right. earlier this season. Yeah. So, how many teams will the Big Ten get? Six or seven, probably. Mm. I mean, it's not going to be like I the nine. I haven't or looked 10. at the latest bracketology. No, it's not going to be like it has been in, in previous years. Probably more than six. Six, no matter what. Yeah, I mean, it what, what depends is like six, no matter what. Is Rutgers going to stay in there? I mean, I know they're going to be good or Wisconsin, good Penn to go. State. Wisconsin, Penn State certainly is one of those. So they have those teams that are that are normally locks that are still a bit on the fringe. Right like now. Iowa's kind of in right now, right? They're in. They're in. They're in. Yeah, they're in. I'd say Penn State's out. Um, Wisconsin's probably trending back in. Rutgers was Penn a state's s- on the bubble. Are they on the bubble? They're on the bubble. They won against Illinois, right? Last yeah. night they probably got. Yeah, that was a huge one the for bubble. Them. Yeah, uh, Rutgers is a, was a six seed yeah. projected. As They're in, but they went from a comfortable seed to being like in that like play in game eight nine game. Okay. There's a lot of teams like that though. The Big East has a bunch of teams like that. ACC. I mean, it's it's going to be interesting how they seed this thing because mm-hmm. I feel like after your top eight teams. 
the rest, it's pretty, pretty close. Mm -hmm. Yep. What do you got next? Yeah, we've got time for two more. All right. So our next one is probably a clarification question from our last discussion last week. So what's the difference between an offer and a committable offer? And if a guy is an offer, why can't he commit? Um, good question. And, you know, in recruiting, you know, you don't get a written offer until I believe your senior year. I mean, so like you verbally offer guys all the way up until they get the official offer in writing. Um, and there's different ways offers are used now. A lot of it is like, can we get this guy on campus? So you say, we're going to offer you, but you know, like in order for this to kind of clear out, you got to meet our head coach. You got to come on campus. We got to be able to make sure you're a good fit. You got to feel like you're a good fit. Um, you know, and, and that's what you do when you see Nebraska make 300 offers in a year, a lot of the offers might be in this category, but you also have your board and you have to decide like what offers are good enough to like push that guy up the board and take. And then what other guys might be lower that you want to still kind of keep warm, but you maybe don't want to take right away. So it's a juggling act that the coaching staff has to really manage when it comes to offers. Good answer, Sean. Good Anything answer. to add? No. Offers? All right, final Nailed question. It. What was your favorite Super Bowl commercial? Oh, oh the one where the – the, it was an advertisement for women's football where they're trying to get the flag off of a woman named Flores, I think was her name. And it was an incredibly funny, incredibly funny. Like she went into the kitchen of her mom and her mom kind of duped her and tried to get the flag off. And she even beat her mom. Um, it was an incredible commercial. And I thought Rihanna was fabulous. Too, I like the Tubi one where like it looked like somebody was like sitting on the remote and it like went to like some streaming yeah. service and yeah, started right. playing it, playing Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, that was like, good. The best part about it wasn't just the commercial but like the videos, like mm -hmm. Super Bowl party videos that people posted of like people screaming at each other like who's on the remote? Get up. Like <laughs> yeah. I saw one guy tweet it was like I called my mom a or my, my stepmother a name, and now really? I have to try to repair that relationship because I thought she was messing with the remote. <laughs> like that commercial that, that commercial messed with some smart. family dynamics. Yeah, it was smart. Sean? Your you favorite know, shot? I don't know if I had like just one that jumped out. The Will Ferrell one where like the, <laughs> it was just funny. nostalgia. My wife and I funny. got a kick that Alicia Silverstone from um, Clueless, Clueless did yeah. one. And we were like, ooh. But I was cooking and doing stuff. So like when there'd be breaks, I'd get up and come back. So I, I didn't dial into the commercials. I, I never dial into the commercials. Like, I was dialed in. Um, I thought they were all pretty good. I made a bunch of wings on the Traeger though. We had a nice good shot. wing. Do you, do you cook for the bowl? Yeah, I cook, Sean. I've never cooked anything in my life. <laughs> I've no. Like, I don't do even, you even cook like macaroni no, and cheese? No, nothing. I cook nothing. That's oh. not my job. <laughs> so, like, what do you do? What do you do? Like, <laughs> job is. So, what do you eat for dinner? Or, I mean, you brought a sandwich. Yeah, I make a sandwich. That's okay. not cooking. It's assembling food. Yeah, I, I can assemble food. <laughs> you can assemble food, but like, you don't even make spaghetti or no. hamburgers or hot dogs. Oh, I'll, I'll go grill. I grill. I'm a good girl. That's cooking. Yeah, okay. I grill. That counts. In the summer. Remember that place in San Diego for the bowl game where you'd grill your own steak? Did you go to that place with us? I did not. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't nearly as excited about the concept. Like, go to a fancy steakhouse and you have to cook your own steak. I would call it far from fancy. The name was random, though. It's called the Gas Lamp, Lamp Strip Club. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Get that off the old expense. Not what you think. That was what really? I know. I, I but we were there. It was bizarre. We were there with like one night was like Joe Shad, Dirk Chatlin, like a big group of guys, 
And a couple, some of these guys didn't know how to grill a steak. That's amazing. And like Joe, Sh- I, I had to show That's amazing. Joe yeah, how Joe, to. Joe didn't know. I had to show Joe how to grill a steak. Hey, you should have punched him too. Um, <laughs> He's like, how do you do it? Like, <laughs> set a timer. Right, sorry, Abby. Go, go on. How do we even get on this? Yeah, I don't know. Abby, what was your favorite Super Bowl commercial? Well, I got a list. Just kidding. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> you got a list? Well, I think my favorite one was the Amazon Prime one with the dogs, of course. They're, I mean, the, so the storyline was is that the dog kind of got left behind after COVID, and he was, like, destroying their house. And so the Amazon Prime, you can, like, see them ordering a kennel, and you're like, oh, no, they're going to give their dog away or put him in a kennel. And they got him, like, a little dog friend. It was cute. Oh, that's nice. It was a nice. That one. Is you very, should look it up. Very nice. Yeah, I thought I thought it was good. I thought the whole production was good. Everything about the Super Bowl was good. The game was great. I mean, the visual of the halftime show was oh, amazing. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. Just like the bells and whistles, oh, and Rihanna killed it. Now it it, it destroyed the grass. Did you hear the why yeah. the grass? It, it heated the grass up so bad that it caused like a, a humidity or moisture. It was the, slipping in the well, first, especially on the too. paint. Yeah, the it was flipping. But then the halftime show made the third quarter worse, is, okay. what, is what they said. All right, but. yeah. That was one element of the Super Bowl that was immensely was flawed. embarrassing. was a plain surface, yeah. Oklahoma State provided the grass. Right. That's a they bad. tweeted about it before the game, and if you want some, <laughs> you want some quick entertainment, go through the mentions of that one. It's pretty okay. Good. Whoever did the grass in Ireland, like those people, should do the grass. Oh, that was Super some Bowl. of the best grass I've ever seen in my life. I get got the chills thinking about it. Mm. That stadium and the grass. It was, was like a hundred yard putting green. Just yeah. beautiful. And then like if you like during the week, if you just step foot on there. Oh my god. And there were like three or four it's Irish. Like a federal crime out there, I to think. Step on the grass. <laughs> Aviva Stadium was it brings a beautiful. smile to my face to even beautiful. think about it. The yeah. outdoor press box. Mm. Yeah. We had our own private desks out there. Yeah. Now the internet situation left a lot to be desired. A dicey. My uh, hotspot bill for <laughs> Spectrum Mobile roaming. Rough. Was a rough, rough trip, a couple hundred bucks, but what a beautiful stadium, though. I mean, oh. beautiful. It feels like six years ago, but man, that was it fun. does feel like. And when they give you free, we didn't get to enjoy this, but when everyone got a drink for free the entire game, it made it even for a better day. I mean, really, Nebraska screwed that whole thing up. If they win, you were probably going back there pretty soon. Yes, they they were ready to ink the dang deal. God, and we would the second time around, we'd know what we're doing. Oh my God, it was beautiful. They haven't even got a 24 game lined up yet. I mean, 23, we know it's Notre Dame, but I'm curious what they're going to do in 2023. 2023 is Notre Dame. Navy. Navy. And we don't know the 2024 game yet. So I'll be curious what they get out there for that. I'll go back. I'd go back in a heartbeat. Well, yeah. I mean, especially if we can get the arrangement we had with our friends in Ireland. Yeah, Sean, you just came through in a big way. All right. Super uh, fun. When we come back, uh, we'll close the show with some national talk and discussion. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett as uh, making our way through. Guys, fun show as always. I love to, I mean, people always say, God, you guys have a lot of fun. We do. I mean, like legitimately, 
like I think we all like each other. We have a lot of fun doing these every week. I kind of like you. Kind of like we're me. good at pretending at least. You're like, yep. We can F turn it Sean. on. <laughs> no, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun stuff to talk about. See if we can keep it going. Now, one of ESPN um, came out with their SP Plus Top yeah. 25, and it factors in your returning players. Um, you know, your your all these variables. It's not just like an eyeball test. There's like a ton of um, different um, things, uh, measuring points they put in this poll. Um, so here, here's the SP plus top 25, which is based on your returners and other things uh, that kind of factor in. Georgia number one, Ohio State number two, Michigan number three, Alabama number four, Penn State number five. Mm -hmm. So the Big Ten in this SP plus poll has three of the top five. <laughs> then working your way down, uh, Wisconsin is at 25. So um, there are no other Big Ten teams in this poll other than those top five teams and then Wisconsin at 25. Yeah, the top – yeah, the guy – having three in the top five is pretty impressive. Well, Nebraska only plays one of them, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They Michigan. only play um, – Michigan. Michigan next, next year. Yeah, otherwise it's, it's sort of the teams you would expect um, Oklahoma's fallen out. In fact, I'm a little surprised to see Oklahoma at 14. I mean, Oklahoma was six and seven last year. Um, but yeah, it's what you'd expect at the top: Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, four. Yeah, but Sean, you're right. Penn State at five. Um, that 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 raises your eyebrows. I'm fascinated too, and I'm going to segue. You mentioned Oklahoma. It segues me into my next topic here what this new Big 12 of one year is going to look like next year with UCF, Houston, BYU um, all coming into Cincinnati. Cincinnati, coming into the league only for one year with Oklahoma and Texas. And now we know Oklahoma and Texas are going to get out after next year. And a lot of it had to do with Fox because Fox will lose Oklahoma and Texas. Well, guess what? the most valuable games are on the Big 12 television deal with Fox, Oklahoma and Texas games. So that's eight pieces of property that they had to kind of get negotiated with in order to, like, get them to leave early because Fox would have been hosed if they lost that year of in inventory. But we'll see Oklahoma play BYU and these teams in Texas. And, I mean, I, I think I think those teams are going to have a hard time. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't – do you think Oklahoma and Texas, one of those teams, will win the Big 12 next year? I guess that's – not Oklahoma. I mean, again, Oklahoma six and seven last year. How, how much better are they going to be? Now Texas is number one in this poll right now for the Big Twelve. Okay, Oklahoma. Did you happen to see what Barry Switzer said about mm. Oklahoma going to the SEC? I mean, it was concern. Oklahoma yeah. going to the SEC. He said it's going to be like playing bleep in Texas every week. We better get a lot better defensively. They don't have the dudes up front on defense. I mean that that's. That's one area that – I don't know that they have the dudes up front on offense, but they Oklahoma is in – I mean, if you're an Oklahoma fan right now, you're concerned. And here, here's the quote. I'm concerned. Well, I know what I know what it would look like. It would look like we're playing F in Texas every week. Right. You've got to be good. I don't know if we're good enough right now. we got to get better on defense. Right, right. And they were 125th nationally, I think, in total defense out of 131. Mm. Think about that. Oklahoma with Brent Venables was 126 nationally in total defense out of 131. And, you know, we've lived this here with transitioning from league to league. 
I think the difference is the Big Ten Nebraska walked into, there was no Harbaugh, there was no Urban Meyer, there was no James Franklin. Mm-hmm. It was Joe Paterno on his way out the door. It was a fired Jim Tressel mm-hmm. year one. And it was Brady Hoke. And Brady Hoke. Mm-hmm. So the league, and, you know, honestly, Brett Bielema might have been the top of the mountain in the first year. I mean, he had yeah. Russell Wilson and mm-hmm. Paul Chris is OC. Mm-hmm. Nick Toon, remember? Yeah, I mean, Texas, Oklahoma is going to face kind of what Nebraska did, in a, but tougher. And they're not, not going to. And they're not going to be handed a schedule. I mean, they're they're going to no, no. like they're going to be at Alabama and Georgia. I mean, they're going to match those teams up right away. Yep. it's going to be a grind for them. I mean, that's that's a pretty massive transition <sighs> from just style of play in the Big Twelve, where it's just basically like glorified flag football, and then well, to the easy. SEC, <laughs> where uh, okay, maybe that's a little. Too That's much, a but harsh. but I mean that that is a massive change to where, you know, Nebraska went through that to an extent, but I don't know. I don't think it's going to be nearly to the degree of what those schools are going to go to go through with this current point in time with where their programs are and where the SEC is. Rob, do you, I'm just trying to imagine right now you saying that with Gundy standing over there. <laughs> Glorified look, flag football. I'd look huh? right into his mullet and say, <laughs> Gundy's you heard teams, what I said. Hey, Gundy's Gundy. teams are physical. That's a physical defensive line. K-State's pretty physical. K-State's pretty physical. Rob, that was haughty. Okay. <laughs> that league's gotten more physical. Fine. Whatever. Physical. Gundy, would, Gundy would take <laughs> issue with you vociferously. Yeah, it, it's – I'll be curious too if they go to. They haven't said yet if they'll do nine conference games. I would assume they're going to have to, and then they can mirror what the Big Ten's going to do, which mm-hmm. is a three-six-six. You have yeah. three locked-in games, and then you rotate six on for two and two, and then the other six for two and two. Then you play all fifteen teams over a four-year period in all of their stadiums. Okay, and that will be one of those like like the pods of the Big Ten. We don't know like who Nebraska's pod is going to be. Um, we assume Iowa is going to be for sure in the pod. But we're talking about no divisions. No divisions with three locked-in games. And, you know, Scott Dockerman, who's kind of become the schedule czar writer for the Big Ten of the Athletic, um, you know, they could they could rotate these pods around. Like, you know, you may like Nebraska might have Wisconsin in the pod for the first run. Then the next run of the pod, it could be Minnesota. But it's going to probably be Iowa in there. How many sure. on the pod? Three teams with – so four total teams in a pod. Okay. And Iowa is going to be in that pod. We know that. And then Iowa, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, that's going to have to happen. Then I think the L.A. teams, they're going to have to figure that out. Nebraska is either going to have a locked-in L.A. team. You know they'll get UCLA or USC. You know And that. I think they'll get UCLA. Okay. Because I, I don't know. Hey, right now UCLA is good. USC and UCLA are formidable right now. But you could rotate that and say, all right, the first run of the pod, you're going to be with UCLA. The next run of the pod, we're going to give you USC. If you're a Nebraska fan, I don't know what you're thinking right now. So the the division's going away. You can't win a division. And I'd set Nebraska's chances of winning the Big Ten right now in the immediate future 7%, 10%. A 16-team conference. Is that being too harsh? No. I mean that's I mean that's what you're talking about. Well, okay, what's the NFL? 32 teams? Yeah. The Big 10 16. Mm-hmm. So that's like becoming the AFC or NFC champion. Pretty dang hard. The Bills didn't win the AFC. Yeah. The Bengals didn't win it. The Chiefs did. Oh. Those are good teams. So mm-hmm. like only one team is going to win this 16 team thing. Kind of like in the NFL only one team wins the AFC or NFC. Yeah. 
Yeah. Real quick, I want to cycle back to my point. Okay. You look at the two best teams in the Big 12. Yes. What do they do against the SEC in bowl games? I, what? Got destroyed. What was now, K-State. 65-7. to seven. What? Uh, Georgia, TCU. Yeah, Georgia, TCU. K-State. 45-20, Alabama. Right. K-State. They tussled with Alabama. Game. Then Alabama. Deshaun. They stopped them at the goal. K-State was going to go up I by Dawson Gage. Alabama There was not team. a tussle. It yeah. was not a tussle. It was close. No, for it wasn't a tussle. That's what I'm it saying. It was close for seven minutes. Um, <laughs> Alabama's talent differential was startling. Yes. It was startling. Well, and the fact that Saban got all those guys to play in the bowl game. Yeah. That, that's amazing. They were locked in. Because Bryce Young and the linebacker they had, they, those guys didn't need to Will play. Anderson. Anderson. Will Anderson. They didn't need to play. No, they did, though. No. Not much of a game. All right. Well, gentlemen. Gentlemen. I'll be at the bat. You go in the bat. Sip, are we going to see I you? might go because I need a Tuesday column. I, I might. I told to Rob and I go, you better get the Sipple seat warmed up at PBA. Yeah, I I've now, just so you know, I, I watch these games very the close. dust off of it. No, I, <laughs> I, I see the game better on TV. I do. Yeah, I can see that. I do. Can you get like the the... the notes and stuff like that like this is the first win since whatever like you get like i, I noticed that when i cover road games like the, the btm broadcast they do a great job of saying like you know like this is the first time nebraska had beaten rutgers since 2020 in in the rack or whatever like those are the types of things you don't get when you're sitting on press row so there's mm-hmm. something to be said robin i got one request if there's actually a moment where a team calls the timeout because it gets like nebraska's mm-hmm. on a run Instead of the arena playing like some player feature immediately, how about they just play like a song that just keeps it going? Yes, the script that they just refuse to go off, like stray from. Like when Nebraska's going on like a, a 12-0 run. Against Wisconsin. The fans are into it, whatever, and then they go to like a picture of like C.J. Wilcher drawing Kase Tomonaga. No, seriously. That's literally like, what mean, they show. Like, who who in their right mind's like, we're going to go to this right now? Like, the arena is hopping. Have at least a semblance of sense of what is happening. I hear, I hear you. No, I think you're exactly right. PBA, but, though, has been outstanding. The, the service, the staffing. Trev Alberts and his team have really got that thing cleaned up over there. It makes a difference, though, what you guys are talking about. I went to an Oklahoma City Thunder game a couple years ago, and they, it was incredible, the production. And they and if there was a run, they would keep it you lively. Yes. It was nuts. It was nuts. I mean, I texted Robin, and he and his reaction was the same as mine. I'm like, this is incredible. Like, you're on this huge run against Wisconsin, and all of a sudden they like have Kasey yeah. Toganama and C.J. Wilcher drawing pictures. Okay. I even tweeted it, and there was many fans that felt the same way, that – Real missed opportunity to get some some buzz going. That's when PBA's at its best. You got to keep it going. I agree. Turn down the what? Or what's that song they always like to play? Turn down for what? Or uh, <laughs> DMX. <laughs> Sean's getting old. <laughs> Sean is getting old. Turn down the what? <laughs> Flip that. All right. Wow. On that note, I'm getting out of the show now. Yeah. All right. Old man Sean. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Make sure you download, <laughs> subscribe to us on the Husker Online YouTube channel. And uh, check us out at HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.